0: In the rapidly changing world, healthcare needs are constantly evolving and clinicians need to find new ways to deliver care. And often the best way to do that is by looking back. Without Marie Curie, there would be no pioneering improvements to medical imaging today. If Edward Jenner didn't inoculate a 13 year old with cowpox, there wouldn't even be a space for Professor Ian Fraser's cervical cancer vaccine. Our clinicians are standing on the shoulders of those who came before them, learning, growing and advancing. Hindsight isn't 2020, it's our future. Queensland, and Australia more broadly, relies heavily on the hardworking people living in rural and remote areas. While there is a large population in these areas, the challenge remains to provide equitable access and care to those living in small towns. We invited four projects from rural and remote areas to share how they are meeting the specific needs of their community and helping to overcome the tyranny of distance. Services aimed at supporting disadvantaged youth always face a challenge finding ways to connect with their consumers. Add in the challenges of rural and remote health, and this patient cohort could slip through the cracks. Not in central Queensland, however, where they've implemented a Youth Connect model to specifically target this group. Frederic tells us more.
1: Hello, everybody. I'm Frederica McCartney. Seek Youth Connect is a model of care that is locally designed and created. It is something that has been evolving over the years, 2014. I'd like to acknowledge Darren Holzberger. He, is my, he was my director at the time who applied for funding to look at the gaps. And thank you, Darren. He's not here today. And thank you to the Brisbane branch for supporting this initiative. As a proud Indigenous and as a proud youth advocate, I'd like to say thank you so much for all the people who have been involved and the young people giving their voice to create a model. With that, we had different ways of going up We've, like everyone would have to do, look at the social terms of health, the demographics, etc. In the first graph you can see, like, we get a high youth population in central Queensland, and with that I'm talking about 29,000, and which is an estimate 5% are disadvantaged youth so the proportion of youth population from 2014 to 2018, as you can see in the graphs, has not changed a great deal. So it's around, we're averaging around 18% in Morabinda, which is an indigenous community where people were brought from various areas too. Then we've got in Rockhampton, we've got a youth population of 13% compared to Rockhampton 20.75, Queensland 13% and on Australia 1292 With increasing education and health gaps and youth crime in central Queensland, we consulted with consumers, elders and various stakeholders and decided, right, when we're going to develop something, we need to make sure that it's going to be addressing the needs that we have identified in our community. I benchmarked lots of areas to see what models are out there for disadvantaged young people, and honestly, I couldn't find much at all which really surprised me. Previously working in, in other high schools and stuff, I've also done needs analysis, and the you were very clearly voicing. The main health gaps was uh, mental health, which includes social emotional wellbeing and includes the social media. Then was I got alcohol tobacco on drugs, and then your sexual reproductive health. So, to really know, is this still current? We did not a few needs analysis for young people surveys and asked the young people what they taught. And interesting that the feed, uh, you know, the feedback and consulting with them, whatever, was showing clearly that again it was very much so the social motion being sexual health and aods. With that, we then decided to look at other things, data, etc., benchmarking, as we all do very well. And it clearly showed that we had a high teen pregnancy in central Queensland. It was actually higher than state and national average. It was an assumption of mine, but actually until I got the data, it actually validated it. The young people were saying as well, for example, why they're not accessing health services was really frightening when I looked at the different areas. And they clearly were saying that they felt that they didn't, first of all, didn't even know that they should be screening once a year if they're sexually active. They some would say, "Oh, but I'll go to the doctor and get my pill," and but still felt pregnant. So not understanding that adolescent brains are under construction, we have the lark, long acting reversible contraception, which is recommended for young people because they don't have to worry about taking the pill every day because it has to go through the GI tract, etc. And of course, young people they forget. And we're talking about disadvantaged young people. The survey again, as I said, like highlighted that they had the greatest fear for them was to why not accessing uh, sexual health services that, first of all, they unaware of the importance of regular screening, didn't know about the lags. They also were saying that youth was assured, they wanted to be assured that the service is confidential, youth-friendly, culturally appropriate and easy accessible. When youth were also asked where would you go for if you wanted some help in relation to men's women's business, for example, they were saying they would go to the youth worker. Which was very interesting. I'm talking about high, like disadvantaged young people. So, with that, we also thought we need to address this. So, how do we do this? So, we thought we need to educate at a service level what actually are the trends and the gaps in our young people and what do they want. Another example you can see in the teacher survey highlighted in the pie graph 84%. Of teachers from non-denominal schools and from non-government schools were saying that the SDA would definitely want to have for example sexual health education in the schools and would want us to come in and support them with that. To best address all these gaps it was quite a daunting thing and I thought no keep it simple why do we make it so complex it is simple we just need a model of care that has a bottom-up approach in developing community champions, a model that, has, that is evidence-based approach and resistant to barriers and blockers. As you can imagine, that's always on the pathway wherever you go and keeping the young people in the focus. So with that, created a model of care of five key components to really understand, to create a deep and meaningful mission statement in a model of care. So we focus on five key areas, always having the client and the centre focus. The model was developed for 14 to 25-year-olds meeting local needs with locally, culturally appropriate model of care that improves the health and well-being for disadvantaged youth across central Queensland, addressing gaps, social determinants of health. So the five key areas, as you can see up there, is partnership engagement, resource development, health and education, clinical and youth advocacy. Whilst we are based in Rockhampton, we regularly travel to rural remote areas such as Warabinna, Bralaba, Mount Morgan, Emerald, Blackwater, Springshore, etc., covering approximately an area of 117,000 square kilometres. Our core values are care, connect, inspire, empower, protect and respect. And that means for us as staff as well, for our community and our youth. Our key objectives were to increase youth service providers and community knowledge and, of course, our consumers. Establish effective interagency referral pathways, implement early detection and prevention programs, deliver health education and health and wellbeing programs, increase choices in clinical access. So, for example, when we talk about five components, partnership engagement and youth advocacy at all levels, internal, external and horizontal. As we know, when we're advocating for young people, they're individual brains, but they're also all under construction. We do need to provide opportunities for them to explore trail error learning, but also stay safe. We need to build resilience in our young people, teach youth to never assume without practice so they can become strong adults and also leaders. Advocating for youth with a strength-based approach. There's so much negativity in the media about our disadvantaged young people, it's sad. Providing opportunities and pathways for them, advocating and so they can also become health ambassadors and peer educators. For us, partnership and engagement is connecting and networking at all levels, like a spider web. As you can see here in the pictures. Very, very complex. In it looks simple, but to actually get this happening in communities, in various communities, is quite difficult. We have been managing quite well through lots of trust, respect, and the need, addressing the needs local level. Each area has their own little needs. So we establish and foster partnership at all levels. For example, see down here this this picture down here. For example, that's a collective partnership with a place-based approach where police, community members, every child secure, lots of people come together, and we've decided to address this together, offering a safe space through Stocklands, for example, where we can offer clinics, we offer networking, information, resources, etc. Working on getting young people into the school-based traineeship. So we have a young lady last year was graduated. This year we got another young lady. Really working in partnerships within CQH to staff outside in through all the regions. Also, resource development was a huge thing. So that we don't just think, assume what's there is right for our young people. We needed to apply gaps, where the gaps are, we developed a service directory to really understand who's who in the zoo and so that young people actually know where to go for, for help and support. We created condom kits that are little packs that are very private but also everything in there that they need, little kits, health kits, um, smoking stuff. Um, instead of having a business card for our young people, we developed a pen called Seeky Youth Connect Pen that is our business card with health measures on the back. They use it as a de-stressor as well as to write because every person needs a pen. We're actually giving help messages. Education awareness level at a um, youth health inter health forum. So with that, every year we host an annual forum to actually make sure our community people and people working with young people are actually serviced at all levels with up-to-date health and education. In here we've created clinics at Headspace, different areas, pop-in clinics, drop-up clinics, etc. at all different areas. Um, quickly, outcomes, uh, for example, our service directory started off with a listing of 92. We have now a listing of 415, which is a 451% growth. Clinical service, we deliver 2,500 across clients. Um, we've also delivered 28,700 youth health education and for service providers delivered to 2,055 youth services staff working with young people, which is 5,000 roughly CPD points. And the knowledge increase pre and post coding evaluation indicates 75% up to 75% knowledge increase. So we really engage at all levels and we're looking at establishing a youth health reference group. And
0: that's us. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast and taking the time to learn about the wonderful work of Queensland's frontline clinicians. To continue the conversation, head on over to Facebook and let us know of any pockets of excellence you think deserve to be showcased. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Clinical Excellence Queensland.